Somebody got it over there. Gulp it down. If you went out to lunch with a couple of friends and you showed up first and uh, they weren't there yet, would you know what they were drinking? Would you know how to order? You know, they come, somebody shows up and uh, the waiter, or waiter shows up and says, what are you having to drink? And I'll have this and my friends will have that. Would you know what they're drinking? Would you know what quenches their thirst? I had lunch this past week with Pastor Dale, which I'm always delighted to do. And I had lunch with uh, Jim O'Leary, who was there too. We are talking about a couple different things. And as uh, I got there, nunnally time, which is 10 minutes early anywhere I go, 10 minutes, 15 minutes early, and there were placemats were set out there, and uh, neither of them were there yet. And uh, they said, would you like to drink order? And I said, sure. And I can order for them because I know what they drink. Pastor Dale, unsweetened tea, don't you dare put a lemon anywhere near it. He's thrown lemons at me when they put it in by mistake. Jim O'Leary, diet, whatever it might be. I knew what they were drinking. I knew them well enough to know what quenches their thirst and what they like. And if a little pea brain guy like me knows what a couple of my friends like to drink and what quenches their thirst, do you think Jesus would know what quenches the thirst of every human being he's ever created or made? We may think we have a thirst for something or want something, but don't you think, as we look at the Scriptures today, that He knows what it is that would satisfy your soul thirst? We're in John, the seventh chapter. You have a set of sermon notes there on your smartphone. Also, you can follow along and follow all the notes are on the smartphone and the Bible app or in your notes here today. In the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus has several encounters leading up to the Feast of the Tabernacles, which we'll get to in just a second. And there's this feast going on, and everybody's going. And his brothers in verse 4 say, you know, you, since you want to be recognized, why don't you go there? No public figure wants to hide. Why don't you go there early? And he says, you know, you guys can go anytime you want, but I can't, you know, I can't move about as much as I would be, like to be able to. And then halfway through the festival, he shows up. And when he shows up at the festival, he's doing some teaching and things like that. And he knew one of the reasons he couldn't do a lot of ministry in Judea was because every time he was there, there was so much jealousy towards him, they were trying to kill him. And about halfway through when he gets there, he says, why are you trying to kill me? And the people there thought, you're demon-possessed. Nobody's trying to kill you. Who's trying to kill you? Isn't that wonderful? His brothers don't even believe in him yet. Yeah, his brothers are found in the scriptures and their names. And some of the people that are there think, you're demon-possessed. What a wonderful way to head off to a festival. I have in your notes, soul thirst. And I'd like to do something with you today that I want everybody here to know. You can do this yourself. Out of the passage of scripture, out of the verses, I'm just going to key in on a couple of verses. They basically simply are the points. And as you look at them, I want you to know you can do the same thing in your own Bible study with a, with a passage, a couple of paragraphs, whatever it might be. And so in your notes, I want you to write in, number one, the last and the greatest, right? Everybody has claimed to be the greatest. Remember Muhammad Ali? Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. The great smell of brute and the punch of none of Lee. I'm supposed to be Ali, but I changed it there a little bit. Just a tad down, just a tad there for me. You know, people claim to be the greatest. Here's John, the seventh chapter, verse 34. The passage of Scripture says, On the last and greatest day of the festival. It's a seven-day festival. There's seven festivals that were there and or feasts 
that were there for the Israelites to practice every year to keep their minds on several things that Jesus wanted to teach them, that the Father wanted to teach them. So on the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, man, if they didn't think he was crazy then, they thought he going to say he's crazy now. It's not like he had a front, uh, you know, it wasn't the guest speaker that day. That was not the case. Here's the Feast of the Tabernacles, this one that they're getting ready to celebrate. The Jews did this to remember that when they were in the wilderness, coming from slavery to the promised land, that they lived in tents or boots, boots or, or the word can be tabernacles. And they stayed in them knowing that they were there just temporarily and that they were on the way to the promised land. And that's a spiritual picture that Jesus is going to teach us today too. During Jesus' time, the Jews from all over the place would come to Judea, would come in, and they'd, they'd come from all over the place, and they would literally camp out, if you don't mind me saying it that way. They would camp out for about a week. They would celebrate it, and they would be coming up to the last day. Now, the last day, the seventh day, the last and the greatest, as the passage Scripture says, water is being poured out on the altar. Can you see the scene? The altar is there. Water's being poured out. They're having a time of prayer. Their, the purpose in the prayer was that Jehovah Jireh would provide rain for their crops. And water is being poured out. And they're praying for God to provide rain. And on this occasion, Jesus uses this picture to teach them about living water. Every good communicator knows timing is just about everything. The knowing the time and the place and seeing the situation, being able to teach. If you're a good uh, husband, a good wife, a good teacher, a good pastor, whatever, you know timing. When I was growing up, I had a, a motorcycle early on in my life. And when my, we first had my son Joshua, I kept trying to tell him, stay away from the motorcycle, it's hot. There, you know, all kinds of stuff you can touch on. I think he did, and he kind of came to the conclusion, it's not hot anywhere. Except one time when it had been running, you know, you can't see the muffler or the exhaust that it's hot. You can't see that it's hot. And he walked up and he put his hand on it and he began to cry. We actually have a picture of it. Joshua with his hand all bandaged up, his parents trying to burn him at the stake, you know. That was not the perfect time to yell at him, to correct him or whatever. That was the time to hold him. That was the time to comfort him. But then there came a time, perfect timing to say, Josh, you can't tell it's hot. Now you know. You may have had to experience it, but now you know. Perfect timing, perfect situation. Jesus, here he is. Water is being poured out. Water's being poured out on the, on the altar here. And I, I think about these words talking about the, the, the Feast of the Tabernacle. It says, on the last and the greatest. You know, in case you don't know, Jesus is the last prophet to come. There's no more prophet coming after him that's needed. Jesus is the last prophet. He is the Messiah. He's the one, the only, because no other will be necessary. He's also the greatest. The scripture calls him the great high priest. You see, in Israel's day, a high priest would have to go and offer sins at the altar for himself and for everybody else. Being the great high priest, the scripture tells us, he did not have to offer sins up for himself. And his sacrifice would not just cover the conscience, but it would cover and remove sin so you wouldn't feel the guilt of it. He's the last prophet. He's the great high priest. He didn't sin. He came from the Father full of grace and truth. Now, if you were to read the Gospel of John, you might know in the very opening chapter, there's a pretty famous passage of Scripture 
appreciate that. Uh, the very passage of Scripture, I kind of feel like twinkle toes when that goes on. Twinkle toes, okay. And then this last and this greatest, he, he, he uses the word logos, the logos. Jesus is the word, the logos. And it starts out by saying, in the beginning was the word, logos. And the word was with God, and the word was God for those who wonder about Jesus Christ being God. I find it interesting, you got it in your notes there, that uh, John 1.14 says, The Word, once again referring to you, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. You know what that word dwelling is? He tabernacled among us. Our God left His lazy boy easy chair in heaven to come and to live among us. Emmanuel, God is with us. He put on flesh and he tabernacled among us. The last and the greatest knows what can quench our soul thirst. Will you hear his word today? Number two, the words out of uh, that same verse, who is thirsty? Who is thirsty? You know, when you came in here today, you all got handed a bottle of water that said on it, gulp it down, man. And some of you, uh, you drank it, and some of you set it aside, depending on if you were thirsty or not. Here is Jesus, water's being poured out. He's not the guest speaker, but he stands up and says in a loud voice, very distinctly, now you know his brothers think he's whacked out. Now you know the people think, who does this guy think he is? Some were wondering, is he the Messiah? Because they knew the scriptures well enough. Quote, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. First condition for you today, for me, is do you have any spiritual thirst? Maybe you came in and don't care. Maybe you come in all the way filled. I hope it's true. First thing, you have to have a spiritual thirst. He comes and he says, anyone who is thirsty, which he uses this word a lot, which means anyone. In that day, all that is around there is Jews, but it's copied down so you would say, hey, that refers to me. Yeah, you. Right where you sit personally today, you. Anyone who is thirsty come there's got to, got to be an action to it it's, it really can be the word believe come to me Jesus made it very plain much to many people's anger and dismay he was the way only way people think there's all kinds of different ways he said you got to come to me and you got to drink you have to drink. You can't just sit there. You've got to drink. You've got to read the Word. Jesus coming along, and he'd say in a different way, he said, seek, and you will find. It's the same as come and drink, you know. Uh, knock, and the door will be open. Ask, and uh, uh, I will give you the Spirit. Now, everybody here likes something different to quench your thirst. At Lifeline, I talked to Sandy Brown sitting in the front row, and I said, Sandy, I know you like Diet Coke. And I said to her husband, Gary, what do you like? He says, Pepsi. I said, I'll bet you there's some people here, they don't even like Diet Coke. And he said, me. Here's perfect fight in the home. Diet Coke versus Pepsi, whatever it is. Everybody here, you probably like, no problem. Everybody likes something different to quench their thirst. The problem is, is that when people think that's the same with Christianity. Uh, people think it's the same, you know. Uh, people mistakenly think it's, there's, there's many different sources to drink from. It doesn't just have to be Jesus. That may be good for you. That could be for somebody else. And Jesus said it, unless he's a liar, and the scriptures say it, he's the only way. And he's offering it to you. 
The book of Revelation says it's a free drink. And let him who is thirsty come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. The last book of the Bible, verse 17. Come and take it freely. Who is thirsty? Jesus asked this question. and He's the last prophet that is needed. There's not a bunch of sources. There's only one. He's the great high priest that would give himself on the sacrificial altar. And water is being poured out on this altar. And here he is. Whoever has a spiritual thirst, he says, gulp me down. Here I am. Drink. Number three. As Scripture has said. You know, Jesus said, I only do what my Father says. I only do, continually, constantly. He's quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting Old Testament truths. He's quoting Old Testament passages of Scripture that speak to Him. And He says, I'm the fulfillment of this. Here He goes to Isaiah 58, verse 38. Whoever believes in Me, as Scripture has said. This is how you know. You can check it with the Old Testament. You can see. And these are all Jews. And you're going to see here in a minute. They knew the Scriptures. As Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now John, in verse 39, having written this after the Holy Spirit is poured out, helped to find what it was. Look at verse 39. By this, He, Jesus, meant the Spirit whom those who believed in Him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit could not happen until Jesus paid for our sins, rose from the dead, was glorified because of it, and seated at the right-hand throne of the God. The prophecy predicted that all men and women, young and old, could be filled with the Spirit. Here is the fulfillment of the text in Isaiah, proclaiming it that you would think that they would know. Jesus, he relied on Scripture. He relied on the Word of God, showing he was not separate from it. He's not here to put it aside. He's here to fulfill it. The Old Testament teachings, what the Jewish believed and what they relied on, he's quoting. John's interpretation, rivers of living water. When the Spirit comes to live inside of us, we're supposed to have rivers of living what the spirit is supposed to flow out of us in everything we do and what we do in serving in our gifts we're supposed to be light or salt or whatever picture you want to be Jesus said here's another picture for you rivers of living water flow out of you Isaiah 58:11 here's the fulfillment i have part of it there you will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail i had the privilege of attending bible college in Kansas And in Kansas, they used something called a central pivot irrigation system. And what that was, maybe some of you know, is is a central point they would drill down to an aquifer called um, Ogalga. Uh, It's just this huge aquifer down there. And they would have these sprinkling systems that would run literally hundreds of feet. You know, you guys have heard heard of uh, uh, crop circles that the aliens... No, no, no. These are farmers. And there, they would go hundreds of feet, and the sprinklers were on top of the systems. They'd stay higher than any of the corner. They didn't spray it out there because in 100-degree heat in Haviland, Kansas, it would evaporate most of it, so they just dumped it down on the wheat, on the corn, on the soybean. And farmers told me that if they went one day without 
that sprinkling system going, they checked it every morning, every night, they could possibly lose the entire crop. They watered it in circles. The diesel engine, which is an engine that just runs and runs and runs, was sitting right there. You could hear it running. It did two things. It pumped the water out of the aquifer and across and walked that thing. Because the other thing it did is the electricity that came from the uh, diesel helped little micro switches turn all of the wheels so that it made a complete circle over a period of time. They're very concerned about the Ogalaga Aquifer. Because when I was there and just doing some reading, they're concerned that it's starting to run dry. It covers right now parts of eight states that are tapping down into it. And they're a little concerned that it's running a little bit dry, but I find it unique when you and I think of the Great Plains. Often we don't think about what's underneath. It's starting to dry up. And Jesus said, come to me, you'll never run dry. On the contrary, rivers of living water will flow out of you. Is that the experience of your Christian walk? I want to say today that if you need to spend a little time at the altar today, or maybe you want to give your life to Christ today, or maybe you need a fresh drink, or it's not the testimony of your life, I want to let you know you'll be thinking about it. Spend a little bit of time at the altar with Jesus today. Only for those who believe in Jesus, for those who drink from Jesus, for those who come to Jesus, to those who will gulp him down, this is only for those who will come for him. And he knows what exactly it is we need. In your notes, I have some drink and others do not. You know, They do teach us today that if you drink a lot of water, it's really good for you. And if you drink a lot of water, it'll help you lose weight. Now, there's a huge debate on that. I'm, you may or may not know. There's all kinds of people that say that's a hoax. Look at all the heavy people drinking water. I, do, I drink a lot of water. My wife drinks no water, and she's skinny. I got proof in my home. They say it was basically because they wanted to really push water. Uh, that there's, uh, you know, conspiracy theory, whatever, but we pay a buck for a bottle of water. All I got to do is go over to tap and get it pretty much for pennies, pennies, pennies. I know that people come to Jesus and they drink from him. And I know there's people that come to him and they won't drink from him. You know it and I know it. And those who drink from him, the passage of Scripture says, I, I can fulfill, gulp me down, I can satisfy. Yes, you'll have problems in the world. Yeah, of course. But that satisfaction in your spirit is the one who knows. Look at verse 40. These first four words kind of set up everything here. On hearing his words, right? Here's the water being poured out. Here's the end of the festival. Maybe everybody's getting ready to go home. Here's this guy in a loud voice saying, come to me and drink. And on hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. How would they know that? Scriptures. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Another proof that they knew the scriptures. Now just, if you open and you read this chapter, you know anything about the life of Jesus, the Bible distinctly says he didn't spend a lot of time in, in Judea because down toward the end of his ministry, every time he went there, he, it says right there at the start of chapter 7, they were always, the leaders were trying to kill him. So a lot of his ministry was in and around Galilee, and they're thinking he's from Galilee. Good, good question. Verse 42, does not the Scripture say, whoever said this, 
knows the Scriptures. Does not the Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? I wonder if anybody ever asked Jesus, where were you born? Euclid, Ohio, right here. Where, where were you born? What was your mom and dad? What was their lineage? One from the line of the priesthood, one from the line of David. They knew. And they were accurate out of verse 43. Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. It is that way everywhere you go. People are divided because of Jesus. It's almost like how arrogant could he be to think that he's the living water that's going to quench everybody. Except for he knows you. He knows your soul. He knows your thirst. If you have a spiritual thirst, he is the one. He is the one. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. It wasn't his time yet. People come to Jesus who are spiritually thirsty. Do you find yourself in that situation today? Maybe it's just kind of dried up a little bit. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Or maybe, maybe you are like me, wandering around religious. And you had never really sold out to Jesus, but then when you did, oh, never became thirsty of another spiritual thing leader or anything in your life not that there's not temptation some don't want to drink of Jesus anything Jesus has to offer to drink Jesus really means to be a follower says he uses all of these different pictures so you get it and you understand is there any yearning in your spirit for something more than just what you have I have the phrase never run dry because as Jesus and John 4 is talking he basically is talking to a woman who was married five times and is living with another man and she's at a well and nobody's there and she don't want to have to go back to the well and he says, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is the road to eternal life. Eternal life, just so you know, is not something you get when you die. Eternal life is something you get while you're alive and make a decision. This is where you inherit eternal life. Read the New Testament. Read the words of Jesus. I always thought oh, it's when you go to... No, because you have eternal life right now. Every person here has an eternal soul and you will live forever. In your notes, the last thing I have, the little asterisk there, I just thought about what I do sometimes and maybe Christians do sometimes. I... Don't try to drink from a checklist, right? You know, sometimes we got our little list of things, you know, uh, get up, go to work, check, uh, get your exercise in, check, eat right, check, spend time with God, check. And you go the rest of the day and your office is just like, that didn't really stick with me. You don't check it off. You go to the one who designed to have a relationship with you Everything in our world works on relationships and we are created in God's image and he desires to have a relationship with you where you come to him. Where he, and every day you need to be refilled, no doubt. Every day something from the word, every day from Christ. Don't try to drink from some checklist. I have my devotions, okay, I'm set for the day. Stay refreshed. Stay refreshed because Jesus is the only way to stay spiritually refreshed. He claimed it. See if I'm telling the truth. I find it interesting that during the Exodus, when the 
several million people were wandering in the desert and complained about being thirsty, Moses was told, strike the rock and water satisfied their souls. And the Bible tells us that rock is a spiritual significance of who Christ is. John's baptizing, and he's baptizing with water and in water, and Jesus allowed righteousness to, and all righteousness. He allowed him to baptize him. Jesus put the boat out and went fishing when nobody caught anything, and they caught so many fish in the water, almost capsized the boat. And when he got back to shore, he called Peter into ministry at the water side. He changed water into wine, and he told Nicodemus, you must be born of water and the Spirit to see the kingdom of heaven told the woman at the well who was a sinner he's the living water Jesus walked on water he poured water into a basin to wash the feet of his disciples and the disciples wanted to know how are we going to know where to have the Passover meal he said you'll see a man carrying a jar of water follow him and when he was on the cross for you and when he was on the cross for me and they wanted to make sure he was dead a soldier took a sword jammed it up inside his ribs and his side and blood and water flowed out for you and for me. And as Jesus says to you today, if you're thirsty, come to me. Gulp it down. I'm going to ask if I could have uh, Dan come close with a song this morning as we get ready to just spend a little bit of time at the altar today. Dave, if you'll come too. If you're a Christian here today, and it just seems like it's just been a little dry, why don't you just come and drink today? If you are here today and you've never really followed Jesus 100%, I, I, I've been there, I know. Come. Spend some time at the altar with Him. Give your life to Him. Turn from your sins and turn to Jesus Christ. Last night, I went to an event at Lakeland College. It was called um, Modern Warrior. And as I was going there, John and Sue and Hammercheck and my wife and we were going there, and I, I checked to make sure I had my credit card, and I wanted to make sure that I had some cash just in case because you had to pay to get in. And when we walked to get in, uh, the guy says, we said, where do you pay for, buy for tickets? And the guy says, oh, you guys just come on in. I said, well, we got a couple friends coming too because they weren't on non-lead time. They were late too. I, they said, they can come on in too. Wow, thank you. Save $40. As the show began, the guy who was the MC of the place happened to talk to John Hammercheck. For some of you who don't know, he's one of the commissioners. And as he welcomed everybody to talk about this, he says, we have a special guest with us today. Commissioner Hammercheck is with us today. And I wasn't sure if anybody was going to clap because I didn't know if anybody voted for him there. So I started to clap. I whistled. All right. And everybody joined in. In an auditorium of about 200 people. Maybe more than that. One guy. One guy. Recognized. He may be a little embarrassed, but it, it feels awful good. He didn't say Pastor Evan was here today. The Bible tells us Jesus said, come drink freely. Don't get me wrong, there's a cost to following Jesus. Come drink freely. Christians come, non-Christians, seekers. You come today. They poured water on the altar. Jesus was there saying to you, come and drink. It was free for us to get in. The water is free. The second thing is, is 
out of everybody in that place, one guy is recognized. Here's what I know the Scripture teaches. The Bible says if any sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice. He knows your name. He knows you personally. This isn't about anybody else but you. The Spirit of God is speaking to you today. There's amazing grace. Why don't you come as the Spirit of God speaks to your heart. If somebody's in your way, they'll, they'll get out of the way. You come from wherever you are. You spend a little bit of time with Jesus this morning. Jesus Christ, as we spend a little bit of time with you today, may your Spirit be poured out on your people today so that they know and understand that out of them, your Word says rivers of living water can flow from them. Some are at the altar today. Maybe you can't come to the altar today. There be anybody just by the lifting of your hand say, I, I want rivers of living water flow from me. Or maybe you want to make a decision for Jesus Christ today. Would there be anybody today raise their hand? Anybody else? Jesus, do a work in the hearts and lives of your people that have raised their hand for whatever it is that their need may be. Today, sometimes we just run dry. And we try to live and we try to do ministry in dryness. When you've given us the promise, Evan, don't, don't just check it off. You spent time with me. Come to me, all who are thirsty. Answer the prayers of these your people today, I pray in Jesus' name.